This week on Inside Motorsport, we wrap up the Formula One season and look ahead to the final race of the supercars with Lachlan Mansell. I hope you'll stay with us. Lachlan Mansell joins us on the line and Lachlan, what a finish it was to the Formula One season in Abu Dhabi where we uh, certainly had some shenanigans going on between the two Mercedes At the end, the man leading the championship going in, the championship was his in Nico Rosberg. Good evening, Craig. Yeah, what a finish it was. What a uh, enthralling spectacle under the lights of the spectacular Gasparina circuit over in Abu Dhabi. And yeah, a bit of controversy as we probably predicted before the event because we all know that Lewis Hamilton's a pretty ruthless sort of competitor and he was always going to come into the mindset of doing whatever he needed to do to try and win the championship, which in that case, he needed to win the race. He needed Nico Rosberg to finish off the podium. So that meant that he had to deliberately drive a bit more slowly than what his car was capable of to try and give the other cars in the field, particularly the Ferraris and the Red Bulls, an opportunity to get up ahead of Rosberg. But uh, unfortunately for Hamilton, fortunately for Rosberg, it didn't quite work out that way. And I think, Craig, one of the things is you can discuss the morals and the, the team ethics, the, the team player mentality or lack thereof of what uh, Lewis Hamilton was trying to do. But one of the things that you can't deny was that uh, his skill in slowing down Rosberg's lap times but also keeping Rosberg out of DRS range so that Rosberg couldn't actually overtake him was pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, it was indeed. And he certainly, uh, well, didn't win any friends in the Mercedes team. He overtly defied the instructions he was being given. You get the feeling there might not be any Christmas cards exchanged between either Hamilton and uh, Toto Wolff and Paddy Lowe, the Mercedes team bosses, or for that matter between Hamilton and Rosberg. But uh, well, at the end of the day, Hamilton is probably the biggest asset that the Mercedes team have got. So I think a lot of the reports about some sort of sanction being applied have been way off the mark. And for the Australian contingent, it was good news for Daniel Ricciardo, who was already locked up in third position before this weekend's shenanigans. Yeah, a bit of an unlucky race for Daniel Ricciardo. He had the speed to probably be in third position, but with the way that the strategies played out, he ended up getting stuck behind his teammate Max Verstappen, who ended up being switched to a one-stop strategy, and also Sebastian Vettel, who made a late pit stop for a set of super soft compound tyres and came blazing through the field at the end. But again, another very strong season for Daniel Ricciardo and he's ended up as the best driver behind the two Mercedes. Also, the end of the Formula One careers for a couple of drivers, Felipe Massa retiring from F1 um, after a pretty successful career, which included a number of Grand Prix wins and a very, very close runner-up finish in the championship in 2008 where he only got beaten by Lewis Hamilton in the very final round of the, the season. And also Jensen Button, the 2009 Formula One world champion, bowing out, unfortunately not in the circumstances that he would have wanted. His day was done fairly early on after his McLaren had a suspension failure 
as a result of him clouting one of the curves at the wrong angle. Mm. Now, of course, Abu Dhabi's location lends itself to travellers from up north trying to escape the oncoming winter and uh, for others in the Asia region to come across to the grand final of the Formula One. And I must admit, I thought the crowd looked very solid there. Yeah, I've actually been to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I went there in 2010 and in 2013, and the atmosphere is actually pretty good. The grandstand where I was sitting, which was at the northern hairpin, which leads onto the long back straight, the cars actually come into the hairpin and you've got the grandstand all the way around the outside of the corner. So you get almost a stadium sort of atmosphere where you've got the cars surrounded by a crowd and it actually works quite well. What about this season? Uh, We've got uh, a number of drivers making some changes over the winter. You've already mentioned about the people bowing out, but it seems like this off-season could be a very, very tricky one for many of the teams, particularly given the fact that uh, some teams didn't score quite enough points to get the funding that they've been used to. Yeah, interesting you should mention that because every single team in the championship scored points. So all of the teams recorded at least one top 10 finish at some stage throughout the year, which is the first time that that's happened since 2009. Um, And for a while there, it looks like Manor were going to finish in 10th position in the Constructors' Championship. But uh, in the second last race of the season in Brazil, Felipe Nazar managed to get some points for the Sauber team, which leapfrogs them ahead of Manor. So that's quite significant in the way that Formula One distributes the funding to the teams. Um, finishing position in the Constructors' Championship is very important. So what effects that has for next year in terms of funding for development of the cars remains to be seen. As you mentioned, lots of changes happening. So Barton gone, Mass gone. We're going to have Lance Stroll, the young Canadian Formula 3 drivers stepping up to Formula 1 with the Williams team. Stoffel Vandor, a very, very talented racer who won the GT2 Championship last year, will be replacing Jensen Button and uh, driving alongside Fernando Alonso at McLaren. You've got uh, other changes as well. Nico Hulkenberg's off to the Haas team, where he will drive alongside um, Romain Grosjean. Esteban Gutierrez, a question mark over what he's doing next year. Esteban Ocon moves up from Manor to drive alongside Sergio Perez at Force India. So some pretty wholesale changes in that midfield range of teams. But at the pointy end, it's still pretty much status quo with Hamilton and Rosberg still at Mercedes, Ricardo and Max Verstappen still at uh, Red Bull, and Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen staying at Ferrari. Mm. But the big thing there for Red Bull is they're going to have, you would expect, the same two drivers start the season in their cars as finishing. And that's probably why Max Verstappen's year was so remarkable in that he started at Toro Rosso and finished at Red Bull. And he's going to be a championship contender next year as well, Craig. With the changes to the regulations for next year, aero is going to be more of a factor than what it was this year. And Red Bull, we know that without Adrian Newey, they've got the best aerodynamic development specialist in the business. So I think the Red Bull will be a more competitive package, and I'm expecting some fireworks between Dan Ricciardo and Max Verstappen next season, that's for sure. Hmm. Well, closer to home, we have a similar situation as we saw in the Formula One. Shane Van Gisbergen in the supercars is leading the championship going in. He has a very handy buffer, but could still be beaten by his teammate, in multiple supercar champion Jamie Winkup. 
It's still looking pretty good for Shane Van Gisbergen, and he's very short odds favourite, though, you would have to say, especially considering his form on straight circuits. And the news for SVJ gets a bit better when you look at the weather forecast because there's some rain forecast on the Saturday as well, and we know how good the Giz is in the wet. So my money's definitely on Van Gisbergen to win the championship, and a very deserving champion he would be as well. He's had some exceptional performances this year. There's been some rounds where he showed blinding speed his performances in the endurance races alongside Alex Premer were particularly impressive. A lot of people, I think, predicted that the Wincup and Dumbrell combination was going to be stronger than Van Gisbergen and Premer. Um, all of us who made that prediction were quite wrong because in the end, Van Gisbergen, the Enduros were really where he was able to establish the margin that he has over Jamie Wincup. Mm, and of course, they took out the Pertec Cup in the uh, process. So that indicated that it was a very, very strong part for him. He was second in the championship with Techno, and now in his first year in the Red Bull team, it is inconceivable, really, that he could lose it. It would take an absolute disaster, but in saying that, we have seen weird and wonderful things happen on the streets of Hobush as well, particularly in 2010 when we had that chaotic race in diabolical weather conditions where just about half the field crashed into the fence at turn number eight and put themselves out. So you just don't know what's going to happen on the confines of the Sydney straight circuit, which we bid farewell to um, at the end of this weekend. Mm. Well, Lachlan, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. We look forward to seeing you in Sydney and seeing how the Supercar Championship wraps up. And once again, thanks for your coverage of Formula One right throughout the season here on Inside Motorsport. Been a pleasure, Craig, as always. Thank you. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.